Welcome to the Broken Pie Chart Podcast, episode number 40, 40. Last week, we talked a little bit about is a recession coming and what are the ways that you could actually play armchair economist, meaning what are the number or factors that you would need to look at to sort of follow along? And one of the questions I get a lot is, hey, is the market overvalued, undervalued, or valued just right? And it's a common question that uh, that I get all the time. And we did a, a podcast, oh, I don't know, it must have been a month ago, where we actually learned that I think it was 36% of the time a market is within 3% of an all-time high. And that actually was surprising to some people, uh, just thinking about, well, it, it's really sh- quite surprising, in fact, that markets could be that near to an all-time high that much. And so, but we always get questions about valuation. And so I thought in this episode, kind of going to go through a couple ways to look and see historically, is a market uh, from a valuation standpoint, where's the market in relation to where it's been? And then what are some of the key things that you can actually keep an eye on to play armchair valuation uh, market person, I guess, should we say? So without further ado, um, the S&P closed on Friday, August, what was that? August 30th. And it closed about uh, 2,926.46. Don't forget about the 0.46, right? And there's a couple main measures when you're looking at valuation. And by the way, you'll hear me say this today, as you've heard me say it in the past. You know, the thing with investing in the market is generally if you put money to work in the market and you've got downside protection or a buffer downside, it's less about trying to be always correct, absolutely correct, or have your timing be perfect going into into the markets. Uh, Why not just invest and be hedged? And then you take some of the guesswork out. If the market goes down, at least you have a floor or a buffer in there. But with that said, one of the first things that we'll sort of look at is the idea of uh, earnings. And so a lot of times when you think about earnings, you think about an individual stock. And we know that each quarter a company releases its earnings and the earnings are either growing, not growing, or staying where they are. And of course, analyst estimates uh, are important. So if an er- let's say a company reports earnings and they're good and they grew quarter over quarter, year over year, but they missed what analysts were expecting. Sometimes a stock sells off. So stocks, uh, you know, sometimes are disappointed on, on earnings. Sometimes they're excited about it. And sometimes stocks uh, or a market will trade irrationally for a long period of time. And when you're trying to put a value on something, uh, there's a real big difference between a price on a market or a stock and what a value or somebody perceives the value should be. And remember the old quote, markets can stay rational longer than you can stay solvent by Keynes. And the point was that markets and stocks are going to trade where they trade. Uh, value is something different. But earnings is the first thing that we'll sort of explore. And so on a trailing, uh, so I think I, I did this, the trailing four quarters. And so right now we're still, I think we're still getting some earnings that are coming out. But the second, so you think about January, February, and March, uh, really we only have the complete picture uh, from all the companies from their earnings through March, uh, which is Q1, Q2, which of course is April, May, and June. 
while a lot of companies have already reported, there are some companies that have not. And so we'll sort of close the books on this one. But going back on a trailing four quarters, the per share earnings on the S&P were about $135.64, give or take, right? And so what does that mean? Well, it means the index, uh, 2,926.46, and we've got the earnings per share. Remember, you've, uh, the S&P is a composition of, you know, call it right around 500 companies, and those all have their own share counts. And so when you look at a, a composite index like that, it's got all the different companies in there, all the different shares. And so what does that mean? Well, the first thing we can look at is what's called the trailing P.E., and a trailing price-to-earnings ratio simply takes the price of an asset and how many times earnings is a trading. And so if we look at a P.E. ratio, the P.E. ratio is right around 21, 22-ish. And the way that you get that is you take uh, the 29.26 divided by the, the 135. And again, a lot of times you hear doing this on individual stocks, but you can do it on, on total indexes as well. So on a trailing basis, it's trading about, you know, over 21 times earnings. On a, And then the other thing you can look at is you can take a look at analyst estimates. In analyst estimates, you might take a look at the next four quarters and see what the estimates, not the actual earnings, but the estimates are. And basically what you can do is you can say, okay, uh, it looks like the estimates are about $163, $164 per share. And if we look at the current share price or the, the market price of $29.26 and change, we come to a forward P.E. ratio that's price to earnings of about $17.86. And so one of the things that naturally says, what does that really mean? Well, J.P. Morgan comes out with a, a guide to the markets uh, every quarter. I believe they do it every uh, they update it every month. I'll put a link to it. Uh, you may generally to get this, uh, there's some of it you can actually just pull up uh, for the monthly updates. I think you have to give them an email and it has to be a professional email. But where does that forward PE put the current market in relation to historical terms? Well, through July 31st, uh, the market was about 16.95 forward PE. So it's trading at 16.95 times its forward earnings estimates. Now, I just told you, uh, now we're at the end of August, and it now looks like the forward PE is about 17.86. And so I went back and looked on the JP Morgan report, and the forward PE, it looks like the 25-year average was about 16.19 times, 16.19 times. And so it's trading a little bit above its average. Um, and of course, those estimates, and this is a really key point, earnings estimates are estimates. They're not facts. And that's something that you have to keep in mind. And so earnings estimates could change. And when the actual earnings come out, those may be different than the estimates. But at least on a forward PE basis, it's trading just a little bit above its historical. Um, to give you an, an example in March of, let's say, well, towards the end of 99, uh, during the tech boom, the forward PE was about 25 times on the S&P 500. And so we're, we're certainly not that high. Uh, interestingly enough, too, before the 2008 uh, Great Recession, 
we were actually below, we were only trading at, on the top end about 15 times forward earnings estimates. And so, you know, we were higher than we were prior to 2008, but uh, I would say we're a little bit above the, uh, uh, the mean or the, uh, yeah, the 25-year the average. And so earnings is something, you know, definitely take a look at both from a, a valuation standpoint and also where we're trading going forward. And so if you wanted to follow this, obviously you have the price of the S&P 500 and you can Google online the, uh, the trailing earnings per share for the S&P and you can kind of see what the estimates are. And it's interesting, uh, JP Morgan also ran a couple of different things. They said, let's do a regression. And remember, regression is, hey, when something was this, what was the result historically? So on a one year, they did it on one year, subsequent one year returns. And I got to be honest with you, it's uh, think about a scatter plot. It's all over the place, meaning where the forward PE is right now, historically, or at least going back to 94, um, you know, one year forward uh, is both up and down, kind of all over the map. There's not really a pattern. Now, if you do the five-year forward annualized estimates going forward, so let's say, for example, when the PE was 17, and then over the last, uh, let's say, since 94 through July of 2019, and here, there seems to be a little bit of a pattern, meaning the forward five-year annualized returns were higher the lower the forward P.E. was. And so once you get up to sort of that 23 times forward P.E., the five-year annualized returns tend to be a little bit below zero. At 17, you know, it's anywhere from plus 15% down to, uh, you know, a little bit negative. So I think the thing to take away is obviously, remember, earnings are just estimates or (laughs) estimates, they're not facts. But that forward P.E. helps guide a little bit to see how many times forward earnings guidance uh, you're seeing a market trade. The other thing that some people look at is what's called the, the Schiller P.E. And, and the Schiller P.E. basically looks at, uh, it's a look back at the past 10 years, and it's the average of the earnings over the last 10 years and the price over that. Now, the Schiller P.E. in January of 18 was about 33 Right now, it's uh, about 28.95. And, uh, you know, Jeremy Siegel, actually, he wrote the book Stocks for the Long Run. One of the the things he points out about the Schiller P.E. ratio is when you have a year like 2008, you have companies writing down a lot of things. And those earnings were were so low that if you have a 10-year period that included, you know, 2008, 2009, when companies are writing down um, different projects and the earnings were so low, uh, the market tends to look more expensive if you're including years where you had really, really bad earnings. So it's just kind of something to uh, to think about there. You know, the other thing, if you want to get into the weeds a little bit, um, a little more granular with regards to earnings, it's the sources of earnings growth. And so when earnings grow, well, and earnings can either grow or they could contract. I mean, you could have negative earnings growth. But there's really, when you think about the total earnings per share, that's uh, there's three main components. You could have uh, margins, revenue, or share count. And so revenue is fairly obvious, right? Uh, revenues is the top line of a an income statement. Of course, net income is the bottom line. 
And so if revenues are expanding uh, and those are growing, that's generally good. And so if we look at the second quarter of 19, and uh, this is going to be, well, let's let's look at the first quarter of 19 because those are all in the books. I think Q2 is still still needing to uh, to close out some. So Q2 had 4% earnings per share growth. Uh, the prior quarter was 22%. But of that 4%, um, you know, let's just look at Q2. So Q2, they have, that's a 2% so far earnings growth. And of that, like what was the component of that? It was actually 2.1. What made up that? Well, you had revenue accounted for 2.2%, uh, or revenue grew 2.2% with regards to earnings. And then you also have share count. And so share count is related to buybacks. And so whenever you buy back, a company buys back stock, they're using free cash flow to buy stock. And a lot of people call share buybacks a quasi-dividend because instead of paying it out to the shareholders as a dividend, you buy back shares with extra free cash flow. And let's put it to you this way. Let's say you had a million shares outstanding and you had a million dollars in net income. So you would say, well, we earned a dollar per share. But what if the company bought back 500,000 shares? Well, now you have that same million dollars in earnings, but you've only got 500,000 shares. So now your earnings per share is $2. And so buying back shares can also boost the EPS or the EPS growth, growth right? So uh, on share count, it was plus 2.1. Uh, it was plus... 2.2 on revenue. So that gets us to an increase of 4.3%. But then there's margins. Uh, margins was negative 2.2%. So that comes and gets backed out. So the earnings growth uh, thus far in Q2 of 19 was only 2.1%. So margins is what a company makes after their costs. It's if you're selling something for $100 and your cost is $50 well, then you're making 50 bucks, right? And so you've got, you know, 100% margin on that one, right? Well, let's say that you're selling it for 100 bucks, but your cost went up to 60 bucks. Well, now you're only making $40. So your margin shrunk. Uh, and the margins can shrink either because of your cost going up or it could shrink because you're, the price that you're selling something has come down. So in our initial example, $100 cost of 50. What if we're only selling it for $80 now and it costs 50? Well, our margin shrunk. And so I'll link to, again, I'll link to the, the JP Morgan. You, you may need a, a sign in or a login, but at least I'll, I'll link to it so you can check that out. And they put out a pretty comprehensive quarterly guide, which has all this, uh, this information, or you can just Google it. Uh, but that uh, margins, revenue, and share count are some of the primary things that make up, uh, let's say, the earnings per share growth. And so if you're looking and you're trying to play armchair stock market prognosticator or valuation person, uh, earnings growth or forecast in earnings growth is certainly something to, to look at. Uh, if you watch CNBC and Bob Bassani, he does, uh, he does a, a bit from the New York Stock Exchange where He'll show the earnings estimates and whether they are growing or falling. And so that's something to, to keep in mind as well. But margins, revenue, share count. All right. So we talked about the, uh, the earnings on the S&P. We talked about the price to earnings ratio. 
price to earnings or PE ratio that goes backwards. Uh, the forward PE looks at the forward estimates for earnings, and then that puts a multiple on those. So it would be the S&P divided by the estimated earnings over the next four quarters. Uh, historically, uh, or at least since 1994, that's been the average is a little bit north of 16. We're currently about 17.8. Again, those could change. And so these are some of the things when you're watching the financial news and you're sort of trying to figure out, okay, what are they talking about on a valuation standpoint that something looks cheap or, or looks expensive? So the final thing I'll, I'll talk about is, you know, we, we mentioned the economy last week and really the title of the, the podcast that I'll link to is A Recession Coming. And we looked at four or five key areas that the National Bureau of Economic Research looks at when they decide whether or not to, to deem our economy in a recession or out of a recession. And so I bring this up because, uh, you know, the macro picture is also important with regards to valuation. And so if somebody thought that economic conditions were going to change or GDP growth was going to stall or something else in the economy, that could then filter in. And so it's really looking at the economy, looking at um, then bringing it down to the markets and then bringing it down to individual companies is what a lot of people do. Um, and I said that was kind of the final thing, but, but just one other thing to, to point out. You know, a lot of times we look at uh, earnings or future earnings, and there's sort of a question of what are those earnings worth? And I bring this up because we're at a point where we're sort of at the, the lower end of historical interest rates or the discount rate, the risk-free rate. And so earnings, or I'm sorry, interest rates have been coming down. So I'll just bring this up to, you know, if, let's say if interest rates were 10%, uh, the discount rate was 10%, and you were going to get a, a payment in one year of 110000 Well, at the present value, if you discounted it down by 10%, that payment's only worth $100,000. Let's say we're going to have earnings of 110000 in a year, and the discount rate was 10%, those in the present value are only worth 100000 But let's say we change the discount rate down to 2%, and we take that same 110000 and we discount that down by 2% to the present value, and that's 107843 So about $7,843 more uh, in present value terms versus uh, the 100000 and so I bring this up because it, it is interesting, too, with regards to interest rates. And one of the things you think about is the lower interest rates get, uh, the less you have to discount down future cash flows. And so I think that's something to keep in mind as well. And it also is important because, let's face it, if bonds were yielding you know, 10%, uh, people might be more apt to go into to bonds, uh, and get, uh, especially if they're U.S. treasuries, because you'd get, at least on a state and a local level, uh, in a taxable account, uh, a little bit of favorable tax treatment. And also, you know, it's considered a, more of a risk-free investment. Uh, U.S. government can always print money to, to pay down. And so that's another thing to take a look at, just the relationship between what bonds, uh, nominal yields are, and in relation to stocks. Um, certainly, you know, something I'll be keeping a, a, an eye on. Um, but to kind of wrap this one up, if you want to play armchair valuation person on the market, take a look at earnings forecast on the market, take a look at the trailing earnings, and then also look at 
what's driving the earnings per share growth or reduction? Uh, if we had a reduction in earnings, and one of the things is you just look at the margins, you look at the revenues, you look at the share counts. Uh, buybacks boost the earnings per share in theory. Um, they don't change the total net income or the total revenue, but they do change what each share is worth in, tar- uh, in terms of evaluation standpoint. So uh, anyway, a couple things to take a look at, and hopefully this uh, was helpful to you in looking and following along with the markets going forward. All right, everyone, we will talk to you next week. 